What are you afraid of? I'll let you chew on that for a second. I mean, really, what drives fear into your heart? What keeps you awake at night in terror or could possibly cause you to run for your life? Everyone fears something, perhaps even if it's deep down. Maybe you're afraid of your past. Maybe deep, dark secrets buried in the corner of your mind will come back to haunt you. Our old, ancient foe loves to remind us of all the ways that our past failures or hurts could destroy our present and our future. Or maybe you're scared about the future. It's pretty common, especially in a world of such uncertainty. Am I ever going to get out from under this debt? How can I possibly keep food on the table and clothes on our backs and a roof over our heads? How am I ever going to live without them? How am I ever going to make it through this alive? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Life seems to have no trouble throwing storms our way. It's not a surprise. Things are scary. There are plenty of things that we can choose to fear. But our Lord is more fearsome. The disciples must have had no idea what to expect. Things had been going pretty well with this Jesus fellow. He'd been doing all sorts of remarkable things. He healed a man with a withered hand. He'd healed paralytics and lepers and demoniacs and even Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And now, after teaching great crowds, Jesus isn't finished yet. He says, let's go across to the other side. Great! Let's go for it. The disciples pile into the boats and they head out across the lake. Now that might not sound so remarkable today, but think about what was over there. Going to the other side was a big deal. The people on the other side were not Galileans. They weren't even Israelites. They were Gentiles, pagans. This region was called the Gerasenes. So the disciples must be thinking to themselves, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. What a remarkable mission it was. This guy, this Jesus, showed every indication that he is the promised Messiah. And his fame and his power are spreading even beyond our own borders. If anyone can turn these filthy pagans around, it's Jesus. So yeah. Let's go across to the other side. You'd have thought that the people in the boat on this trip with Jesus would be on cloud nine. It's really happening. After centuries and centuries of anticipation and expectation, it's really happening. And what do they have to show for it? Clouds rolling in, thick darkness. It's getting dark and now there's a storm brewing. Gale force winds have turned this body of water into a maelstrom and the waves are filling up the boat. But Jesus does nothing. He's sleeping on a cushion in the back like nothing was wrong at all. It's as if he doesn't even care. 
And as far as these brand new disciples before the faith-giving work of the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them, as far as they were concerned, he didn't care. You ever felt like this? Maybe you know someone who does. God, do you even care that I'm perishing? God, do you even care about me at all? I think in years past, leaders in the church were under the impression that people wanted to know the truth. What is the correct interpretation of this passage? What does scripture say about life, salvation, Christian life, sacraments, etc.? And perhaps they were right that the people in the pews were excited to hear the truths of the Christian faith unfolded for them in their pulpits and Bible classes each and every week. I believe that, dear brothers and sisters, we still do. But it's no secret that the world has changed. The man on the street is no longer concerned with the finer points of Christ's presence in, with, and under the bread and wine in the Lord's Supper. He's no longer concerned about the reciprocity of the second genus in the two natures of Christ. You knew that people used to care about that, right? He's no longer compelled by societal norms to participate in any form of organized religion at all. He's not going to decide whether to be Lutheran rather than Baptist, Methodist, Hindu, or Baha'i because we have better theologians. In fact, he's not going to decide at all, and neither did we. Rather, the Holy Spirit has called us by the gospel, enlightened us with his gifts, sanctified and kept us in the true faith. But most people in the broader culture are no longer interested in what various churches have to say. It's not that they don't care about God. The overwhelming majority do. But perhaps they are wondering if God cares about them at all. People no longer ask which church has the right doctrine. They ask, is there really a God? And if there is, do I matter to him in the least? His representatives often seem to show otherwise. I'm certainly not singling out our Lutheran church here. I mean the entire community of Christians throughout the U.S. and around the world. We got comfortable. We felt safe. We held positions of influence and authority in the world that led many to think that we had won. It's only a matter of time now before the whole world is Christian, we thought, 50 years ago. False idols seemed to fall rather frequently, and it all came crumbling down. And today we're again reminded that it is God's strength, not ours, that is of utmost importance in our lives together. So I'm not here to reprimand you or tell you that the sky is falling. My point is this, that for many of those who do not yet know our Lord Jesus Christ, the only question they have is the same question the disciples had in our text. Lord, do you even care? Do you care that we are perishing? And he does. He really cares. In fact, he cared so much, loved so much, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. 
You know, in the New Testament, when it says that Jesus had compassion on people, the verb there literally means that his guts moved within him. All his innards were stirred up. Jesus feels his compassion and concern for you to the very core of his being. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And we are the people who have been privileged to receive that good news and to share it with others. Lord, do you care about me at all? Yes, absolutely, he does. In fact, he sent us to tell that news. We who have been commissioned by virtue of our baptism to cross over to the other side and bring the news to the lives of people that are quite unlike ourselves. It's not going to be easy. Nothing good is ever easy, but it's good. It's true. It's beautiful. There may be storms that arise in our own lives, both meteorological and figurative storms that would lead us again and again to that same question. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? But we already know the answer. He cares for you and he cares for me. This past Thursday marked three years since such a storm arose in Charleston, South Carolina, when someone took the lives of nine of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the middle of Bible study, on Sunday morning in church, took their lives because they were quite unlike him. Thought that's as bad as it can get. Nine people murdered in church. And then last November came, and a gunman walked into a church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and killed 27. Where is Jesus in the midst of these storms? What about when the 21 Coptic Christians in Libya were beheaded for their faith? Does he even care that we are perishing? He cares. He's right there where he's always promised to be. In the midst of his people, coming to them with life, peace, and salvation through his precious gifts. If you want to know where God was in the middle of those storms, he's right there wherever you are. Because he sent you as his messenger. When Jesus awoke during that storm, he could have been pretty ticked off at those faint-hearted disciples. He could have given them a stern lecture about faith and why they had simply screwed up again. He could have rebuked them for not trusting him. And he could rebuke us for all the times when we are the ye of little faith. But he doesn't. He rebukes the storm instead. And the wind ceases and his command ushers in a great calm. Jesus came to bring true peace to all of us. And he doesn't always calm the storm. You may have learned this in your own life. Sometimes the storm just rages on and Jesus instead calms us. He tells us, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, <coughs> for I have overcome the world. Just like that, 
My political career is over along with Marco Rubio. <coughs> Remember that? In this world, <coughs> you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The calming of this storm was just a glimpse into the kind of peace that he came to bring by his incarnation, his perfect, spotless life, his ministry, his teaching, his bitter passion and death, his blessed rest in the tomb, his ascension and his return in glory. It was just a glimpse. He calms the storms in our lives and he calms and quiets our troubled consciences. He lovingly asks us, why are you so afraid? Truly, there is nothing to fear when Jesus is in your boat. And that is precisely where he is right here, right now in our midst. The Lord Jesus Christ neither slumbers nor sleeps, but instead speaks words of peace and calm into our tumultuous lives. And he does so with the authority to actually accomplish what he says. After all, he is the very word by which the heavens and the earth were created who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. When Christ speaks, peace, be still. It actually happens. From the cross, he speaks, it is finished. And it is. This is my body, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And you are. When he speaks through his servants, your sins are forgiven. They're forgiven. Are you still afraid? Are you still worried that the past or the future are going to get you? Jesus took care of that for you. You're forgiven. All of your sins, regrets, mistakes were put to death with Jesus on the cross and are gone forever. Are you worried about the future or even the present? Are you worried that these waves are going to sink your boat? Jesus took care of that too. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You're more important than birds and lilies, and God takes care of them. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, St. Paul reminds us. Life, death, Things present, things to come, famine, danger, nakedness, violence, disease, none of it can separate us from the love of God. When you think about it, it's not the storms that you should be afraid of, it's Jesus. At least that was the initial reaction of the disciples. They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus is far more fearsome than the storm. Jesus has the authority to cease storms, heal the sick, forgive sins, and even raise the dead. If there's anyone of whom we should be afraid, it's him. Yet he didn't come to condemn us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved through him. And he is your savior. Crucified, dead, buried, risen, ascended, and coming again in glory for you. Peace. Be still. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Would you please rise as we confess our Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed? I believe in 